When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. everyone and welcome to Heart and Hand the Rangers podcast. My name is David Edgar, I'm your host as per usual and joining me this week is in fact what can only be described as the A-team. First of all, Mr Andy McGowan. Hi folks, hi listeners. And Mr Adam Thornton. I was going to hum the theme tune there but I can't actually remember it now so that's just awkward but hi. Well I've got my A-team but unfortunately Rangers failed to bring their A-game. Yeah, yeah, I've been listening to Clive Tilsley as well, uh, to to Livingston at the weekend, which we are going to, unfortunately, have to get into, lads. Um, what's the worst film that you've that you've seen? What, what's your least favourite film that you've had to watch? And... Groundhog Day. Ah, that's a good film. I, I get where you're going with that, but it's a good film. The worst film I've ever seen is a film called Velvet Goldmine, which is about the glam rock era and starred Ewan McGregor. Yes, yes, I recall it. Uh, Not a favourite of mine either. The most boring film I think I've ever seen, because it lasts forever, is The Phantom Menace. You know, the first Star Wars movie. It lasts forever and nothing happens in it. And being a sad Star Wars geek, I've watched it a few times now, just to try and see if I've misjudged it, or if I can um, see something in it that I like. Well, I had that feeling today when I sat down to rewatch Rangers' uh, trip to the Tony Macaroni Stadium yesterday because we've seen that movie before, unfortunately. Uh, I think we all had that feeling as the game went on. And it's unleashed a, a fair torrent of online criticism. So, Andy, first of all, what were your thoughts on the performance? And then we'll we'll get into it in a bit more detail with Adam, of course, as our, our tactics expert. Yeah, I, I thought that it was laboured and it's just something we've seen so many times before that I think the patience has ran out. I, I think we're, we're super safe at the back, but we're kind of super safe in the middle of the park and then we're 
we've got no cutting edge or, or very little cutting edge at the top end of the pitch. And it was the overall performance. It was just one of the ones you're watching it and you're thinking, right, it'll come, it'll come, it'll come. And then all of a sudden you're in the last 10 minutes and Livingston have got their, their nets down at the back of the goals and they're hiding balls and they're wasting time. And it was just desperation stakes at the end. So very, very frustrating. Adam, I know you were very frustrated, to, to take Andy's phrase there, uh, last night. You've had a chance to reflect. I know you go back and watch the matches as well. Um, anything to to cheer us up? Uh, we, I thought we did okay in the first um, 20 minutes. Uh, I thought Arfield made a little bit of a difference early doors. Um, he looked to be knitting things together down that right-hand side. There's a couple of little things that, that almost came off, but... That sums up Scott Arfield, really. He's, he's almost a great player for us. He's almost scoring this goal and he's almost doing that and almost doing this, but it kind of petered out uh, quite quickly. Um, I'm not too sure why we reverted back to the 4-3-3, if I'm honest. I know I've just mentioned Arfield there, but 4-2-3-1 had worked relatively OK. Um, I know our people got injured, but um, we've got Kamar Roof there, we've got Cedric Itten. I would have thought we could have uh, went with one of them and been a bit more forceful and tried to imprint ourselves on the game as it was it looked like we just went ahead with the the same formation as last year and after about 20-25 minutes ran out of ideas and I've not seen anything else since to suggest that wasn't the case Andy some of the words that were mentioned in there same seen it before all that kind of stuff which I think has has been the the word cloud coming out of the the Rangers support um, over the past 24 hours on the one hand it's the fourth game of the season and we haven't conceded any goals, three wins and a draw, not terrible um, by any stretch of the imagination at all, pretty good. But here I think is the issue. That That's correct. You know, you, you, you can't argue with anyone who says that to you. It's a fact. But that team yesterday that started, John McLaughlin apart, was essentially the team that finished last season wasn't it, in terms of, of, of people who were there. Phil Hellander was injured, but he was at the club. Yeah. It was essentially that team. So although it's, well, that's the first game of the season where it, that's happened, you then look back and you go, yeah, but Kilmarnock, Hearts twice, St Johnston, Hamilton, it's not the first time it's happened. It's not even the first time it's happened this year. And that, I think, is why fans were so annoyed, because it it did look, and I get that the players have just come in and, you know, will hopefully make an impression and make a difference as they settle in. But I think that was the reason for the frustration because it did feel very much like deja vu. It, we're very familiar with these players now. We know them inside out um, and we know their strengths and weaknesses intimately. And I think what is getting to the Rangers, what's certainly getting to me, and I dare say the same as you, Adam, is that we're watching players being asked to do the same thing. So, for example, if you were the Livingston coach, you'd be saying to their players, look, the players, the Rangers players you want to have the ball are the centre-halves, Ryan Jack, potentially Kamara, because they're the ones that won't hurt you. And those are the ones that are seeing the most of the ball and we're still asking them to do things which, to be quite blunt, they can't do. Um, and it's frustrating as hell because you're then saying, well, why are we playing that way? I mean, I'm going back to even Marty games when, when Ryan Jack was was the guy that we were asking to create things. Are we up at Dundee when we were, were clutching trying to get a victory? That was what I was having flashbacks to. When was that? Two years ago. 
So why are we still asking him to take the ball off the centre halves with maybe 20 25 yards in front of him, which he doesn't run into? It's things like these that you're seeing and you're like, oh, hold on a minute. Why can I see it and I can see it and I can see it and I can see it and then nothing's done about it? Um, it's just very, very frustrating is the word, but I think we're starting to get a wee bit contemptuous of the continual um, asks that we're making of players that shouldn't be asked. Yeah, I think it goes all the way back to Warburton as well, where you can see what he wants to do, but the guys aren't capable of doing it, and that, that presents a problem. Adam, Andy made a point there that I think's a good one, which was the players that, that Livingston would, would want Rangers, because they surrendered possession. Rangers had 78% possession. Yes, you'd expect us to dominate possession uh, against Livingston, but I thought even more so than usual because they didn't have dykes. They had very little up for I think they had a kid who, God love him, um, you know, I felt that he, he was never, ever, ever going to hurt us. And then they had one guy who came on and went up, back off again after five minutes. So they had very little up front. And I think that their plan was quite obviously... They've had a couple of doings already, or, or conceded a lot of goal one doing, and conceded a few goals this season. So their plan is obviously a clean sheet. Nothing else matters today. If we get a goal, brilliant, but it's a clean sheet is what we're focusing on. And they surrendered possession, but they did surrender it to the four players that that Andy named. It's not coincidence that those four had so much of the ball. No, um, they are. Their striker was um, 20 years old and hadn't played for them since 2018. So I think that shows you how um, seriously they were going to take into attacking intent in the game. Um, there's there's a lot going wrong, um, if I'm honest. I, I don't know why we changed that formation, first of all. However, I don't think the start to the season has been brilliant uh, as far as the um, team goes We've had decent St Mirren is probably the highlight. Um, against Aberdeen, we were okay, but everybody was, was screaming. I thought we were bordering on average in that game, to be honest, but you got the win, that's fine, we move on. Um, against St Johnston, I didn't think we were great at all. Um, the, free, the free kick helped us immeasurably. I thought St Johnston started very well, managed to contain us, and then the free kick kills it, as you would expect, and then that brilliant goal. So, two moments of magic, um, but I certainly don't think... Outside of that, we were anywhere near what you would class as, as terrific. Um, and then yesterday, we were the worst of the four, I would say. But you're right, it goes back to this. This People say it's Jack and Kamara, and it, that highlights it, um, I think. However, the only reasonable explanation I've got is they've been told to do that. Um, and then that opens up a whole other series of questions as to why they've been told to do that. Um on Tactics Talk on, on Patreon, we, myself and Ali, have been speaking about the midfield and how we feel it isn't doing what it needs to do since Jack and Dorans were, were the partnership. So I don't even know when, when that was. That would have been Kishinya. Um It's not conducive to what we need. Now, nobody's saying that any of the players in there are not good players. They absolutely are. However... We don't have specialists in there. We've got Jack and Kamara who can fill in a couple of positions. Don't really do anything that we need in domestic games. Um, ideally, in domestic games, you probably want a one holder or one destroyer, and you want one with a license to go forward and basically become another attacker. Um, but providing a bit of balance to, to the play, we, we certainly don't need 
I've said for a while, people say we don't need three of them, and Davis Kamara and Jack, I've said for over a year, we don't need two of them. I, I don't see the point of it unless I'm, I'm missing something. I just don't understand it. But what that then means is there's such a huge disconnect between those two and the, the, the centre-backs and then everybody else. There's nobody 10 or 15 yards further up the park that can play little triangles with the fullbacks or can, can get Hadji or Kent or Morelos in the game. Um, and there's just a bit of a disconnect. The flip side of that would be that would be quite acceptable if those two players had a range of passing that would allow them to play through the press and get the ball up to Hadji, get the ball up to Morelos, but they can't do that either. So they're 10 yards further back than where they should be and their passing range is limited to about 10 yards. It doesn't take a genius to work out. They're not really going to get you very far up the pitch. Um, so, so that is a, an issue um, but I think that could probably be worked around if the centre half's probably got more involved and took the ball and strode forward we're hoping Balogun will be able to do that um, but I don't want to let the forwards off as well I, I do think they got off a little bit lightly uh, sometimes there was so many situations yesterday where the front three or when it turned into the front four are standing in a horizontal line facing Rangers goal expecting balls to be passed to them um, they're getting balls with their back to goal. Um, they can't drop the shoulder and turn because they've got two men behind them. So really all they can do is pass the ball back the way, pass the ball sideways, come back 10 yards, try and turn, and then try and beat three men and dribble. So there's a few bits that are culpable. The midfield can't get the ball up to them in a, in a good fashion. But the forward line to me, were, were it was like a training exercise. They were just standing with their back to goal and seeing if they could figure out something. And I think the fact that the only meaningful shot on goal that we got was Barisic's free kick. Um, really tells its own story about how poor we were overall. Yeah, I, I'd agree with, with all of that. Uh, I think that he, he speaks a lot of sense there, Andy. And, you know, the, the fans have focused on that midfield pairing, that Jack and Kamara midfield pairing that the, the manager has, has gone with this season. Now, we'll talk about the strikers in a minute because I agree with, uh, or the front players rather, I agree with uh, what Adam said there. But, um, it's not just us, because I was watching the coverage yesterday uh, on Sky Sports, and, and Chris Boyd said at halftime, you don't need two of them there. You've Essentially, you've got two centre-backs and two defensive midfielders for one Livingston forward who's, what, 45 yards in front of the nearest Livingston player. You don't need that. And normally, as Darren Fletcher explained before the game, their job is to allow our two full-backs to push up that Jack and Kamara will go and cover a wing. Again, Yesterday, surely one centre back could stay with the striker, and one centre back could run out and deal and support uh, and cover the full back area. It did seem to be belt and braces in a match where that probably wasn't required. Yeah, Jack, Jack and Kamara are coming under severe scrutiny, and it's partially for me. It's partially right, but on the other hand, it sounds if I'm contradicting myself here. I know why Beal and Gerard do it. The problem here for me is that they're coming under scrutiny because yesterday they had so much of the ball, so you're then looking for them to do things. And it goes back to my first point, which was you're asking them to do things they're not capable of. But by the same token, the whole purpose of them is that we are very, very sound. So if we're looking at the, over the, the last four games and you can talk about the performances, what we can take from them, and even for the friendlies before that, as, as a defensive unit, we are very, very strong just now. For whatever reason, we're very, very strong and we're limiting teams to hardly any shots on goal, which has to be a big positive. Um, and it may be that the price for that is that you have two holding midfielders, two, in inverted commas, holding midfielders. 
And you've said it there as well, David. The whole point is that they are the fulcrum of allowing your fullbacks to have license to, to get up that part, act as de facto wingers. You've then got the other four in the verticals again, forwards, whether that's Hadji, Morelis, Ken, and Aribo, or, or just at the Arfield. So they've all got free license to do what they're, they're being asked to do. So to go back to what a lot of people have said, and that Jack and Kamara are simply doing what they're asked, I think that's right. I think they're being asked to play their roles. And then quite rightly, there's an expectation on these other six players to do what they're supposed to do, which is create, score, um, and, and, and kind of work the back 10 that they had yesterday. Now, I don't think that's unreasonable. So although I'm saying earlier on about Jack and, and him not having the, the attributes to do what we needed him to do yesterday, all I'm saying is that if the front six, sorry, front six, the front four plus the fullbacks, so six attacking players basically, aren't delivering, what wins championships is when you have a midfielder that can then break his mould and do that wee bit more, which is what Jack and Kamara can't do. Right, so I think it's a wee bit unfair to look at yesterday and pinpoint the two because actually the, the the blame, if you like, lies with the multitude of players we've got in that part yesterday that have been given free license to simply attack and to, to, to get a breakthrough at any point during the game. I don't think that's too much to ask. I think you are correct, David, and that you then look at those players and say, right, well, hold on a minute, you're no delivering, you're no delivering, you're no delivering. So I think that's a fairer... Um, assessment of the 11 yesterday as opposed to focusing on Jack and Kamara being a problem. They're a problem because we're asking them to do a wee bit more because the rest of them are failing. So there's two there's two sides of that that I would potentially take issue on, Andy. The first one would be, um, yes, all those attacking players. However, when the midfield and the defence can't get the ball to them because they don't have the passing skill set to get the ball through to them, you end up with players having to come deep, like Kent and Hadji coming back to the halfway line to have the ball. Basically, Ryan Jack give them the ball five yards and then the expectation is that Kent and Hadji need to go and beat 10 men to, to fashion a chance. So, while once they get the ball in advanced areas, I, I completely agree, it's the, the attacks problem and they don't do that well enough. They're not as decisive on the ball as you would want. They've not got the required quality at this stage to deliver consistently in terms of goals and assists. I think we know that. However, there's a, there's a build-up Concern for me there that they don't get given the ball in right areas. When's the last time we had a ball down the side of a fullback? Or when's the last time we we got a cutback and we scored from a cutback? When's the last time we scored the goal like well, um, Wednesday? Ah, <laughs> <I, I've, okay. laughs> but you know what? Like in general, you know what I mean. And the the goal that we had against Leverkusen. When's the last time that uh, we had a player who was able to play that pass? Now I get that's a 30, 40, 50 million odd player, but play that pass and somebody making that run. We don't have those options. We pretty much just get the ball up to them and say, right, go and do it. Now there's a school of thought, okay, well, they're the attackers, they should do that, but it's quite difficult against those defences, like we said. The flip side as well of it, I guess, is Livingston had two shots on goal. The first one came in the 83rd minute, I think it was, and it was from their own half. Surely you're adapting to that game and you're thinking the way that, the way that it's went for the first, even the first half, don't really need two of them there because they've got one guy up front, Hellander and Goldson, and uh, uh, Kamara, say, or, or Jack could, can cover that themselves. There's three of them. We don't need the four of them. Um, the subs I found quite concerning. Arfield didn't have a, a great game. However, he has more of a goal threat than them. So 
potentially at some point. Why is Arfield coming off? I, I don't really understand that. I'd have had one of them off, given that there's absolutely zero threat from Livingston coming at all. Um, why when we're needing a goal is is Itton coming on and Morelos going off? Surely one of the two defensive midfielders could come off at that point when we're literally chasing a goal. Um, Haji, again, was poor, but he's a moments player. He needs the ball at some anywhere, really, within 20 yards. He gets the ball. If he gets a shot off, he's going to score. Um, do you bring him off because he's playing so poorly? Maybe. Look at your substitute that's coming on. There's a balance there. Um, so he gets criticised for substitutions because he never gets them right. Or, or I don't really remember um, too many where he's changed the formation mid-game and it's went our way and we thought well what was really tricky and we we done that it tends to be more the other way he's terrified to change the formation makes like for like substitutions and then usually we get hit with a sucker punch which obviously didn't happen today uh, yesterday so for me there's kind of two sides to that I get Andy's point about why they're there we know why they're there however I think it became very clear yesterday that it wasn't really required quite quickly but see that see that I don't agree because I don't believe that Jack and Kamara are so bad in terms of passing ability that they can't do it. And, and I think they did get inside the fullbacks a couple of times. And in the odd occasion, which and I'm talking once or twice a game, that Kamara actually steps beyond a player and gets to the edge of the box, he's actually quite effective. The problem is that um, we don't need to have Perlows in this team to beat Livingston at home. And I think that the, the role they're doing is fine in terms of being tidy and keeping the ball moving and protecting the, the, the two centre halves while the fullbacks maraud. But I, I, I honestly believe that the the, the issue lies with our, our attacking players. Jack and Kamara are a symptom of what's happening in front of them. For me, in saying that, and again, I'm saying like I'm contradicting myself, we're far, far too safe in possession. A number of times we get, and I'm not just talking about Jack and Kamara, our players get the ball with a man at their back, but no right at their back. I'm talking about being have the ability and time to actually take a touch and face up to them. The amount of times we knock the ball back in those situations is uh, incredible, given the ability of the players. I'm talking about Kent, I'm talking about Hadji, I'm talking about Arfield, Jack Kamara did as well. They're far, far too quick to play the safe pass back to Goldson and Hellander, which every time they do it, just takes the pressure off Livingston, they regroup, they get their positions back in place. Um, so that, that I would be interested to see or hear what the actual instructions are because I'm pretty sure the instructions are being followed out by Jan Kamara and it's no so much um, them, I think it's what's in front of them. So I think I think I agree with that as well, David, that, that I don't doubt that they've been asked to do what they're what they're doing and they're they're doing that job. It's whether or not it's not for us to, to tell them tell the Rangers coaching staff exactly what to do, but is that acceptable? Is that what we need? I would see evidence suggests no. Um, Andy's kind of coming at it from the opposite side to me, but I think what we're both essentially saying is that there is a breakdown in structure between midfield and attack. However, you want to, however you want to play it, whether it's the midfield's issue getting the ball to them or it's the forwards' problem when they get the ball, um, there's something not working between the two. See, this is the the, the thing for me that. Firstly, it's a positional thing. Um, I was up roaring at the TV yesterday when I saw Ryan Jack dropping back in to his own box to get the ball from the goalkeeper. Um, you know why? Absolutely no need at all for that. Secondly, the, there's an awful lot of touches in that midfield that I think are unnecessary, um, and the ball ends up going where 
it's easy from you know sitting watching a screen i know that but it usually ends up going where you thought it should go anyway it just needs to go there that split second earlier and get teams moving and i absolutely agree with adam's point about uh or sorry andy's point about you know you've got a wee bit more space and you're so worried about losing the ball and and, and a turnover is that something that that is foremost in your mind rather than yeah if I sucker him and I can get away and, and maybe make something happen and maybe you have to take a few more risks maybe you have to open up yourself slightly more to to try and break down such a such a stubborn defence because uh, yesterday I felt it's odd in a game you've got nearly 80% possession but I felt Livingston were pretty comfortable as Adam says really the only time uh, that we got through was a free kick and then Ryan Kent in, in injury time. Oh, uh, Alfie's header as well from a good ball by Tav. And apart from that, we weren't, I think, making them uncomfortable. We weren't making it as difficult for them as, as I would like. And you know they're going to run a bit all day. You're, you're aware of that. But I was a wee bit disappointed with what I thought was a, a conservative approach to a game where maybe we do have to risk a little bit more in order to get the reward, if you like, out of uh, out of these matches. They say that, that or Walter Smith said, uh, uh, Andy, that Rangers were never more than two defeats away from a crisis. These days it feels like one draw. Mm-hmm. Well, that, this is, and it is ridiculous, right? So if you're, if you're a football fan from anywhere else apart from Glasgow, you probably look at that reaction on Twitter and on the message boards and think, what the fuck? I mean, it's it's really, it would appear to be over the top, but the problem is we are now in a, a cauldron where we don't really believe Celtic are going to drop points against many teams. I mean, the Kilmarnock dropped points last week was a big surprise to everybody. So the problem is that you're working in an environment where any, any quarter given... Uh, is unacceptable. So, um, in the in the perspective, so you take away the performance and what we've seen over the past two three years and the things we're kind of moaning about here, you're sitting here after four games and we're still technically going to be even pegging with, with Celtic if they pull full points for their games in hand, and and that's fine. Right? We're four games into the season, we've no found our, our kind of uh, we're no firing all cylinders attacking wise yet. So. In that context, listen, there's not much really to be too concerned about here. What we are really wanting is, we want to see this team fulfil its potential. Because I think we're all sitting watching this and we're saying, we should be so much better than this, given what we're sitting watching. The players in that park. And even against St Mirren, Aberdeen, St Johnson, you, you touched upon it, Adam. The policies were all right. But you're sitting there saying, right, that, this should be more. That We're capable of so much more. And I think that's a problem here. It's not as if we're sitting watching a bad team with bad players that don't know or don't have the ability. There's just so much more to come for this team if they get their ass in gear. But how do you get their ass in gear is a question. Yeah, that, that, that's been my feeling watching them. I'm like, if we click, we're going to give somebody a right good hiding, but we need to click. The, the issue for me is actually when we don't click, we don't want to become what we were for long parts of last season, that if we're no clicking, there's nothing happening. We need to become an effective team that finds a solution when we don't click, I think that's the, the, the bigger thing there. Um, and, and whether it's a sclaff goal or a free kick for Barisic or a, a set piece, it's finding that solution when we don't click. Because I think, generally speaking, we're going to be all right, but it's the sticky games where we don't click, we need to find a solution. 
Now, one of the things I was a little surprised uh, at was the criticism of Ruth and Itton. And look, I realise after the game these days, in the old days, you went back to the pub and you let it all out, all the emotion, all the hot takes, as the modern term for it is, and was forgotten about the next day and, you know, life continued. And these days, of course, you immediately go on social media, you put something down, um, and because we're Scottish, it's there forever, and we put it down and we uh, dig down, we we double down on an opinion. But, Adam, I was very surprised to see, oh, roofing it, and, you know, they they don't have it, they're not going to change. This is ludicrously early. It's a nonsense. I did say three weeks ago, David, when we did the breaking news pod on Patreon, Itton is going to be one of those players that we're going to have to service him in the right way. Um, we're going to have to get him the ball and opportunities that suit his skill set. Um, that's a horrendous game to come on to and horrendous environment yesterday when you're you're chasing the winner. So I'm not anywhere near judging either of them. Um, based on that, it's way too early. However, Players need good starts to Rangers' careers, but they also sometimes need to be playing in a team that is functioning and scoring goals and is suited to their strengths. Um, at the minute, given the quality of, of chances we're creating, um, there isn't a whole lot there. You're hoping that those guys are going to come in and it's going to click for them. Um, but given the talent that we've got there as well, that sometimes have off days and sometimes don't, I think we're going to need to be patient with everybody there in that sense. But... I don't know how much that patience is going to wear thin because, like Andy said, it is ridiculous we're talking about a draw and people are, are going crazy. But it's just, can I have the first mention of scar tissue on this year's pods, I think. But um, it is just scar tissue from last year. Watching that was like Groundhog Day. Now, little bits are different. There's obviously different players. Livingston have got different players. They're playing a different formation. We're tweaking things here and there. But it's the relentlessness of it that you know from 65 minutes we're not doing this today. Um, the only thing that is away, I think, so far this season is the sucker punch. I don't quite feel, I think Andy mentioned earlier on, we are a bit sounder defensively, maybe because we're playing two defensive midfielders and we don't need to, but we are a bit sounder defensively. Um, you don't feel like teams are going to get that big spell in the games that they were getting um, earlier on in this calendar year. It doesn't quite feel like that yet. Um, so, so that's a positive, I guess, defensively. However, that relentlessness of... There's 25 minutes to go here and everybody in their heart of heart knows it's either going to be a set piece or a moment of magic for us to, to get through. You can't really see a cohesive attack coming. Um, it's kind of soul-destroying, so I feel a bit sorry for the two of them getting thrown into that. Andy, I've said before that you know about the pitch, and look, this is not in any way to excuse Rangers' failings. We've just gone through them there, but the pitch is a disgrace. I've said in the past that I don't believe any team, any professional top league team that can't have a grass pitch should be allowed. But it turned out yesterday Livingston couldn't even get footballs. I, I, I had a laugh. I mean, uh, any any professional football club without a pitch, as you say, it's it's, it's farcical. It's like a bowling club without a bowling green. It really has its pathetic. Mm. And bowling uh, balls. <laughs> Jack. <laughs> but yesterday, uh, when, when the big nets, so, so for, for them that's listening to the City game, they had obviously big nets behind the goals to stop the ball going into the stand. Um, those get dropped, apparently, didn't they? So it seemed quite quickly that they, they get dropped in the second half. And then it just so happened that the balls that had been strategically placed along the, the touch lines for when the ball went out of play because there's no ball boys, they seem to disappear for a while as well. Now, 
what I would say is, I don't think we can blame any of that. It's just, we're inviting that because of the way we're, we're, we're not putting them under enough pressure and they can smell that there's a chance here that if we frustrate Rangers, they're going to run out of ideas. So, listen, that, that's what we're going to go up against. This, these pitches, we're up against them. I remember years and years ago, we used to play in pitches that were sanded and stuff like that. So, it's not something that we can sit here and say, oh, that's no fair and stamp our feet. I think champions are, are deal with these kind of things that are put in their way. I think um, the pitches are bad, but they're not that bad. I'd rather play in that 4G or 3G pitch than some of the pitches we've seen in yesterday. Um, and the one thing you can say is that if you play passion football, you can you can sometimes make it work. Because we seem to make it work at Hamilton. Nobody says anything about Hamilton's pitch being mm-hmm. shit because what was stuff then? Touch with. So um, I think he's doing to us. No, I totally agree. Um, it's, you know, you, you know what the challenge is. And we've won there the last three times. So. There's no reason. It was just we didn't function in the way that, that we as fans would, would want us to function. Moving on then, uh, it looks as though some transfer business uh, players heading out the door. Um, some interesting uh, moves, it's, it's fair to say. Now, uh, Greg Doherty looks as though he's going to be headed off to Hull, Adam, um, for 400000 which to me seems low. Um, but... Uh, is this the other side or the other side of what we've benefited from getting, you know, Hadji for three million, getting Roof for um, pr- pretty much half of what Anderlecht paid for him, getting uh, Itten for less than they would have looked for under normal circumstances? Is this just COVID economy, and, and unfortunately that there'll be an advantage when you're bringing in, but there'll be a disadvantage when you're going out, or are we just underselling? I think it's it's probably both um, on that one. I, th- I think if no disrespect, but if Lyndon Dykes is going to QPR for anywhere near two million, I, st- I still think four hundred grand for for Greg Dockery is is quite low. Um, the comparison, I guess, would be David Turnbull um, going potentially going for three million last year. Had only played six months or so of football, scored a, a decent chunk of goals, but so is Greg Doherty in comparably better leagues possibly um, so I, I'm a wee bit annoyed about that one I think his time's up absolutely but 400 grand seems incredibly low that's a loss on what we uh, a loss in what we bought him for um, maybe there's a sell-on fee in there as well but I wouldn't be expecting a million pounds for him however climate and the main thing is only worth what people are going to pay for him so yeah that's that. That is true. Now the other one is is Ross McCrory, and Andy. He looked as though he was on his way to Hibs. As we're recording, it looks as though he's on his way instead to to Aberdeen. There's been contrasting reports. Listeners might know better by the time this comes out about whether or not uh, it's a loan to buy or a a buy. But it, it will eventually be. You know, he is going permanently. That was made clear by the manager last week after the St Johnston game. Um, First time Rangers have sold a player direct to Aberdeen for 51 years. Alex Willoughby in 1969 being the last one. Uh, it, yeah, I'd love to come up with a really good reason as to why this kind of doesn't sit right with me or why it annoys me. Because logically, it's the economy in it. You know, you sell a player, if somebody's willing to pay your fee and he wants to go there, you, you go for it. I... My reasoning behind it is is just I fucking hate them. <laughs> That's a good reason. 
Um, it, it, look, it, it's all I've got to offer, right? And I could I could sit here and try and dress it up, but it does just come down to you know if at any given point we were able to sort of cut off that bit of Scotland and let it float off to Norway, I'd be up for it. Well, it's cut off anyway, isn't it? But uh, McCrory, I think it was the first first show I ever did with you, Davey. It was just around about the time McCrory made his debut, and we were there was a lot of goodwill and hope and uh, anticipation that we'd finally got a player that was going to come through the ranks and, and prove to be a true ranger. Um, and it's just not really worked for him. And, I, and I, I think the longer I spoke about being familiar with players earlier on, I think the more we've seen a Ross, um, the more we kind of realised that technically he wasn't there. And that's the big problem. I mean, we're talking about Jack and Kamara and their, their faults and what, what they can't do. McCrory's even further behind him as a midfielder in terms of technical ability and, and passing ability and retention of the ball, all that kind of stuff. He was always suited to the Blood and Thunder games at Tynecastle. His best game was up at Pataudry, a great game and an old firm game as well. Um, and I think the less you ask them to do in the ball, so much the better. I think it also became clear he was not going to be good enough as a centre-half for us. I think that was pretty clear earlier on. You could argue Murty ruined him by playing him against Celtic, but I, I think every time you've seen him, he just wasn't up to that either. And then the loan, the loan to Portsmouth was where you're hoping that he can uh, show something in there, playing a bit right back. Now, what I always found that quite staggering because I always thought, well, did Rangers ask them to play him at right back? Because I, I couldn't see us letting him go out on such a long-term loan without some, some kind of development guidance for them. Surely to God, and it, and it wasn't cutting it there either, by all accounts. And every time I, I made a point of watching him for Portsmouth, you, were, you weren't overly impressed. There was nothing there to say he can come back and do a job for us. The point you're making, David, is going to Aberdeen is, you know, it, it actually will be a very good move, move for McCrory because I think it'll become an, an integral player for them. And you look at what the likes of Lewis Ferguson has done for them and the way they play and the physicality they bring to their game, it'll probably suit him doing it to a T. And I think it'll show up pretty well there. And, and I wouldn't be surprised if part of the deal is that he's got a sizable sell-on fee for us. Um, so so really, once I, I'm of the mind that once you've made up your mind on a player that he's not going to be good for, good enough for Rangers, where he goes is kind of immaterial. What is material is how good the deal is. Doherty is a loss. Maybe no a loss when you take into account the, fee, the, the loan fees with Fed for Shrewsbury. Um, but again, I'd be expecting a, a very, very favourable sell-on fee there because they too have got the potential to go in and show more, have very good careers. I don't think they're ever going to be internationals or anything like that. But um, unfortunately, the way things have panned out, but I think it's probably a reflection of how much better a squad and their level and standard is, which is a good thing. They might turn it to be internationals or Scottish. Who gives a fuck either way, yeah? Yeah, um, but yeah, you know, I'm I'm due three caps, I think. Uh, so you know, I think everybody gets a go that, that owns a football these days. So yeah, why not? But yeah, I agree with what what Andy had to say there, Adam, about you know that, that's a technical ability, and we've just had a discussion about what we ask our midfielders to do. It can really be a cursus utility thing, can't it? I mean, I couldn't tell you what I could tell you what I think Ross McCrory's position is, but I couldn't nail it down for you. No, I think both of them um, just like that, that on the ball, which is what the manager wants. There's, a, I guess, a school of thought that we need players that are better off the ball sometimes than on the ball, given the, the lack of movement that we spoke about 
uh, midfield and, and up front, but I think you still need to have a required level of of passing skills that I don't think either of them have have got at this stage either, which is a shame. Again, if it's loan to buy, I've got no idea what the, the buy fee is going to be, but given it's Aberdeen, I would be amazed if it was any more than the, the Greg Dockery fee. So it's not going to be a massive um, a massive return on our investment. Um, however, I don't really think we're going to see that until, first of all, we, we sell someone big and then that kind of gets the, the ball rolling in terms of the fees that we can expect for our for our better players. But then I think it really needs to be a league win, doesn't it, before you kind of start to ramp up your fees for, for squad players, like before you can start to think about getting two or three million quid for, for players that aren't quite making the grade in your team. I think we're still a wee bit away from that as far as the, the market goes. I'm not sure there's any um, teams that are going to drop that amount of money on on guys like this who are kind of in and around our squad without really getting a game. I don't think that's that's where we're at at this stage. Andy, you're a a much more pragmatic and sensible fellow than me. And whenever you know transfers like this come up, there is a phrase that's often trotted out of "We need to build bridges with other clubs in the SPFL." I'm a no. We need to mine the river. Um, type fellow uh, but how come it's always us that need to do the building uh, do you know I, 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 the football fan of me is the same as you Davy. I, I, I mean I'm, we're all scarred by what happened and we're all scarred by the the venom that was directed and still is directed to maybe not quite as, as bad now but by the same token we are in a very small pond We've seen the shenanigans, uh, the COVID shenanigans, if you like, with, with regards to what the SPFL have got up to. And, and I think we've started to make allies. And uh, certainly Aberdeen and Hearts are allies, part of this, so if you want to conclude them. I don't think it's practical from a, a long-term view that we... Uh, isolate ourselves. I think we have to get back to where we used to be, which is a, a key influencer in the game. And unfortunately, the better swell you need to, pull it, need to swallow to do that is that you need to be able to press the flesh in a social distance manner just now, but you need to be able to speak to people, you need to build relationships, and you need to be able to um, garner favour. And, I, and I, I mean, we talk about Aberdeen, how much we fucking hate their guts and they hate us. We used to have an exceptionally good relationship with Ian Donald up there. If you recall, mm-hmm. um, and 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 they would have been, or he would have been viewed as an ally for a long, long time, and, and we're going probably back before Murray as well. So all these kind of things are part of being a football club, and we, we need to separate. I always talk about separating the fan from the professional, because when you talk to professionals, footballers are they involved in the game uh, in that manner when they can set aside the kind of. The, the, the heart from the head you get a different perspective um, so now I agree with you Davey I, I don't really want to be doing Aberdeen any favours at all but by the same token if they can do us a favour and sell Ross McCrory on and me make another 500 grand off it or whatever the same goes for Hibs if he went to there or Dockery Hibs last year I, I, I think it's a natural thing we just have to do we need to get back to being an influencer in Scotland and that'll not happen by putting up the barriers God, he's so calm and rational, isn't he? <laughs> Sickeningly Henry realistic. Henry Absolutely. Shuttle diplomacy. Um, uh, you, you could we'll send Andy off to the Middle East and see if he can... Right, moan lads, enough of this, right? It's, it's no getting us anywhere. Um, 
just before then we we go I want to pay tribute to a great ranger that we lost on friday night and that of course was tom forsyth who sadly passed away um older bears i've never met one who didn't speak very highly of him uh he'll be forever remembered for that uh, magnificent cup winning goal what a strike but uh doesn't matter how they go in it's what they achieve and uh he was not only a, a hell of a, a defender for the angels but also for scotland there's that famous tackle in the scotland england match andy which back then was you know like a world cup final up here um, also a very lovely man and he'll be very much missed Yeah, Tom Forsyth uh, he was a great friend of my supporters club my own supporters club Bank and Solcoats um, he takes pride of place up in my dining room all much to Sarah's delight because our supporters trust dinner you might have been at Mr Edgar Abbey's front row and paid God knows how much for a, a signed uh, picture and the reason for that is because I'd never seen Tom Forsyth play in the flesh but I knew who Tam Forsyth was for sure because my dad absolutely adored him. He adored his tackling and that tackle you're talking about in Shannon um, had kind of went into the Pantheon, didn't it? It had been mm, a historic tackle that folk talked about and they used to talk about Tam Forsyth and my dad was telling me the other day about who Tommy Doherty, who's a bit of a, uh, an arse, but he used to, he, he had a, a conversation or, or a, a press conference where he compared Martin Buck and a Man United to Tam Forsyth and he was actually very disparaging towards Tam Forsyth. I think he compared them as a, a thoroughbred and a Clydesdale or something like that. And and how wrong he was because Tom Forsyth played the game uh, soon after and, and proved them wrong. So I, 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 I the fortunate uh, to meet him not that long ago um, at Ibrooks at an anniversary dinner and he was a gentleman. Yeah, he was. He was a, a genuinely lovely man and he'll be very much missed by the Rangers family. Um, speaking of of ex players from from that generation and of course uh, from all generations, uh, we are delighted to announce that we are teaming up with the Rangers former players benevolent fund, and uh, we're setting ourselves a target to raise ten thousand pounds over the next year for that. Now, the ex players benevolent fund is set up to help uh, some of our, our older players uh, as they get older with uh, anything that might happen to them with regards to health and whatnot. Now. Uh, I know that footballers these days earn extraordinary amounts of money and, and you've got teenagers set for life, but that certainly wasn't the case back in the day. And a lot of our legends certainly don't live in, in luxury. And unfortunately, in, in my former job, I did a, a lot of work on the Football Memories Project, which deals with, with ex-players who suffer from dementia and, and Alzheimer's. And, and there are far too many, unfortunately, suffering by that. And anyone who's been, whose family's been touched with dementia will know just how absolutely horrendous it is. So we will be doing many things such as auctions when we're allowed to we'll be doing events uh and and really putting ourselves into this fundraising we've been fortunate enough over the last three years since we started heart and hand on patreon to raise over thirty thousand pounds for various causes but we're now going to have a unique charity partner for the next year moving forward if you want to find out more about that and if you want to hear more from us you want to hear andy ta- uh, adam's tactics show for example or all the other shows that we do then just go across to our patreon it's patreon.com forward slash heart and hand where you'll be able to sign up for all the content from just $1.99 per month. Right, gentlemen, that will do us for this week. I'd like to thank our executive producers in London, Mike Lee and Paul Myers, and to thank my two guests, first of all, the wonderful Mr Adam Thornton. Cheers, David. And the splendid Mr Andy McGowan. Thanks again. Heart and Hand Extra will be out on Thursday, previewing the Kilmarnock game. So until then, have a good week, and we'll speak to you later. Take care. Bye-bye.
Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.